Talk about anything you could think of. Dreams come in reality, you bring up. Oh, something new. Something yeah, new. we live in gold lifestyle, then it's true, man. Look at my crew. Sit for a while and get your roll on. We be talking that real, and they might prolong. Oh, drinks with Nate. Roll a little thing, fill a vibe with a bottle. What do you say? Yeah, yeah. Mm, drinks with Nate. Leave it all on, get it alone. Make sure they know the name. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Drinks with Nay. I am Nay, obviously. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of season two. Woo woo. <laughs> and no, your ears weren't deceiving you. No, you aren't tripping. Yes, you did log on to the right podcast. That was Fred Hampton. You just heard, uh, well, not exactly Fred Hampton. Then yes, it was Fred Hampton's speech. And yes, it was an actor playing Fred Hampton. And that actor was Daniel Kaluuya, and he recently just portrayed Fred Hampton and the Judas and the Black Messiah biopic of Fred Hampton's life and his assassination. Well, more of his assassination. So this episode, I don't know if you noticed, but yes, it is going to be about the movie Judas and the Black Messiah because guys, that movie is fucking amazing. It, it was really good. Um... We're going to get into it. I'm not even going to start dwelling here. We're going to get into it. I'm really excited to talk about this movie. It's kind of going to be like a review, but my overall thoughts and opinions about the movie and my suggestion why everyone should watch this movie, even if it might make you uncomfortable. But anyway, drinks, <laughs> because it's drinks with nay. And like I said, I'm nay. So obviously, you know, I got a drink, my drink today. I just got a little wine, y'all. Yep. I just got some peach sangria, Carlo Rousse brand. Um, I actually haven't tried this flavor, so we're going to try it together. I just want it to be calm, you know, super casual. Uh, yeah, so let's drink and let's talk about it because whew, this movie gave me so many emotions, guys, and I really didn't want to talk about it. I've just been talking to Twitter about it. This movie really hit me in a number of ways, like not only as like a future filmmaker, but also just as a, an audience member. Um, and as a black person. So this movie hit a, a few different emotions for me and I'm so happy that I'm talking to you guys about it because I need to talk to somebody about it, okay? Because really, I'm just gonna be telling you everything I like about this movie and hopefully you feel the same. Or if you don't, you can always tell me and we can actually have a debate about it because one thing I love to do, I love to debate about movies just because, I don't know, it, it's my passion, you know? Okay. So let's start with this drink first, okay? Because, you know, we gotta, you know, wet the throat up a little bit. And if you guys do hear it, you're not tripping, okay? If you guys do hear it, it's super low in the background. But so I got some prints playing in the background on my record player. Yes, fun fact, no one asked for it. I have a record player and I'm playing Prince's Purple Rain album, okay? So. If you hear it in the back, 
yes, that is Prince. <laughs> okay? You're not tripping. I'm playing Prince. He soothes my soul a little bit. You know you gotta love Prince. Everyone loves Prince, okay? So, let's pop this bottle. Yeah, let's pop the bottle. I'm struggling to open it. There we go. Let's pop the bottle. Super light. I've been trying to do something like newish. I want to try to have a new drink with you guys each week, you know, expand my bar, you know, a little bit. Anyone has any recommendations of any type of alcohol, I'll definitely try it. And if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Anyway, we got our drink. We had our drink. It was delicious. Hopefully you guys have something good too. Now let's get to the topic of conversation. Let's talk, let's talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. One, I'm going to start way back in 2020, that shithole of a year we had, guys. Um, I forgot the exact month. I believe it was June or July. That was the first time I had seen the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. So this trailer I seen on Instagram and it was like i was just scrolling and i just saw it and obviously i stopped to watch it because it's a movie trailer i'm like a sucker for movies so i'm watching this trailer and you know i see lakeith stanfield he's in the movie i see daniel kalua he's in the movie so i see them and immediately obviously i'm staring because i love them two men as actors they're amazing um i'm staring and i'm like realizing what i'm watching so i had to watch it over right i'm like wait hold up let me watch it over I watched it from the beginning and y'all and this was just a teaser trailer that trailer was like maybe a minute and a half maybe two minutes that trailer literally gave me chills like i am not exaggerating the trailer alone was done with such sophistication but at the same time it gave you that thrill vibe to it like okay the story they're talking about is really important but the way they're telling the story is drawing my attention in a minute and 30 seconds. And that's really hard, you know? That's really hard to grab, so, grab someone's attention that quickly and to keep it, to keep it. You, there's a time span to get people's attention and to keep it. Like you could get someone's attention with flashy lights and like, you know, a catchy tune, but if you, you're not giving them something to look at or to really pay attention to, they will, they will drop their attention. So this trailer had me really stuck and in chills. With the trailer itself, it was so fast paced, but like in a good way. Like, I don't know, this, sorry, this is just how I, like, how I watch certain shit. So I liked how the trailer, it moved like, it was, it was on beat and it was quick, it was quick, it was going. And I think it really caught my attention and kept it because, you know, obviously I always knew of the Black Panther Party and the Black Panther movement in the 60s. And I knew about Fred Hampton. I knew about his death. Um, however, I didn't really know the story. Like I knew he was set up by someone in his crew. He was shot at 21. His girl was in the bed next to him and she was pregnant. I knew all of that. But I didn't know who the person was, you know, who was the mole. I didn't know, like, who set him up. I didn't know. I thought it was like regular Chicago cops. Turns out it was a fucking FBI. So I was learning shit within this minute and 30 seconds of this trailer. And 
I just liked how well it was pieced together. Like I said, it was done with so much sophistication. It didn't take away of the story it was telling while it was also given that feeling of, oh shit, what's happening next? Oh shit, what's happening next? Like I said, it gave me a thrill vibe. Like I'm sitting on my chair waiting to see what happens next. So I was really excited for this movie way back when. And I, like I said, Lakeith and Daniel, um, obviously they both were in Get Out. If you guys saw Get Out, now Get Out was the first time I seen Daniel in, in anything. That wasn't the best of Daniel to me. It really wasn't. So I really did enjoy him in that film. And then I saw him in the episode of Black Mirror. Now that I did enjoy him in, I got to see more of his acting chops. Cause like I said, Get Out was my first experience with him. The Marvel movie Black Panther he was in. So like, this is all I had seen from him. Now I, I thought, I always thought he was a good actor, but this film, him as Fred Hampton mesmerized the fuck out of me. Like, oh my God, he was so good. If you don't know about Fred Hampton, who he was and his death and why it's so significant that someone made a movie about it uh, 50 years later. Now one Fred Hampton, he was, well, he would become the chairman of the Chicago, Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party, and he did that all by the age of 21, right? So I believe he joined the Panther Party around like 18, 19, but even before then he was into activism and giving back and power to the people. Like he joined the NAACP and from there, that's when he moved on to Black Panther. So what I really liked about this movie is that it was 100% black made. And I say that because the director was black, the writers were black, the producers were black, and then all of the actors in here obviously were black besides the, you know, the white people playing the cops. I love when a movie about black people, whether it's a slave movie, whether it's just a stereotypical, you know, hood drama, although I'm really tired of those, but I prefer it when they are made by black people because what I really what I'm really really getting tired of is so many black stories being told by white writers and white directors and they don't fucking know our culture okay like now I get it happened for so long because of you know Hollywood and just overall systemic racism I get it I fucking get it but now that we are getting so many more black creators with writers directors actors I am so glad that we are getting the content that we need now regardless of the fact that this movie was obviously about the assassination of Fred Hampton but it was done so well and you can tell it was done so well because it was done by a black person okay like just think of movies made by black people like all of John Singleton films you know um Boys in the Hood Friday you know Players Club all all those movies like the our, our favorite black movies you know regardless of the topic of conversation and regardless of whatever the film is about it is done better than any white director or writer can do because they don't know our culture. They don't know what it is to be black. I, there was a movie that I was really fucking excited about because I'm a huge fan of Zendaya and I'm a huge fan of uh, John David Washington, who is Denzel's Washington's son. So you guys probably seen it. It came out on Netflix. It was called Malcolm Marie. It was about a black couple who have like a whole night where they're just questioning the logistics of their relationship or whatever. Now, I was really excited about it, but I was so disappointed about it. Now, don't get me wrong, Zendaya does so well in this movie. John uh, John Washington does really well in this movie. But you can fucking tell that that is written by a white man. 
Sam Levinson. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he is the creator and writer of the show Zendaya's on Euphoria that comes on HBO. Now, I really like Euphoria. I still think it's a big stretch, but anyway. So Sam Levison wrote this film, Malcolm and Marie. And the reason why I don't really like it, he takes all of the stereotypical bullshit that you would get in a black relationship and he puts it on screen. And then you can tell just by his writing, it's like he's trying to write these characters are so sophisticated, but also trying to show that there are elements of them still being, you know, hood, black, you know, again, stereotypes of what a black person should be. Like Zendaya, her, a lot of her lines, she was trying to be like a hood bitch and it just, it didn't sell me. And not because of Zendaya, but because of the writing. Obviously the actor can only do so much with the words that they are given. So my problem is that the words that they are giving are by white people. So how the fuck do they know how a black anything is gonna be. They don't. And these movies we get that that are done by them, it's just very sad because just like, write what you know. Like that's why I'm such a huge fan of Jordan Peele and I stand by him so much when he said he won't ever write a story about white people. Why? Because he's seen that movie. That's not his life. That is not his culture. That He doesn't understand that. So why would he write something that he doesn't know? You get what I'm saying? Same way Toni Morrison says she won't write books and stories about white people. Why? Because those aren't her stories to tell. So I really love this movie so much because it was done so well. Like it, the writing, the directing, the actors, everything was just done so well. And you can just tell... It was a black person in charge of it. You really you really can, especially when it comes to black content. And as a black consumer, you're gonna tell who did it. Like you can t- you can easily tell that the person who was behind, whether it's clothes, whether it's music, whether it's photography, whatever, you you can tell when it's not a black person pulling the strings. You you can tell. And I really need white Hollywood to under fucking stand that. Because we can tell, we can tell and it's so bad and it just leaves us sitting there like, this is what y'all think black people are. This is what you guys think we act like, we talk like, you don't know. So stop trying to write it, okay? Just stop. I can't think of the actor's name right now, but uh, the actor who plays Chris from Everybody Hates Chris, obviously everyone knows him. He made a really good point to that too. He said that he tweeted that that out a while ago. He said, he said to white writers to stop trying to write black slang because then it becomes harder for the black actor to depict whatever the fuck you're trying to say. Just because you think you know black slang from whatever media you're exposed to, whether it's music, whether it's TV, movies, whatever, you're not black. So you won't ever, <laughs> you won't really know how to perfect it. So stop trying to. Okay, so it really warmed my heart to know that this movie was made, created like from the ground up. They knew how to tell the story and it was done so beautifully and it didn't like taste. You know, it didn't take away from who Fred Hampton was. It didn't try to glorify his assassination too much. It just told a story. My biggest takeaway from this movie and the reason why I wanted to do a whole episode on it and just wanted to talk about it in general. And I think I feel this way because it was done by black people, written and directed and produced by black people from this film that they didn't focus too much on his assassination. 
Now, granted, this is a film about the FBI's investigation and the use of William O'Neill as a mole in the Black Panther Party and obviously the assassination of Fred. What was so good about this movie was that they didn't focus everything on that. Like, it didn't lack anything at all for me. They focused on every good attribute that that man had, the legacy that he left. They show that in the film. It was just so mesmerizing to me because although we know how his story ends, this movie showed how he lived. And I find that so beautiful. We know he's gone. You know, we know he died. We know how he died. But like me, there are many of us who don't know exactly what he did while he was alive. Like I said, I always knew the story of Fred Hampton um, and that he was a part of the Black Panther Party, but I really didn't know what he was doing with his power. This movie showed all of that. It's really hard to tell a Black story. Obviously involves trauma and violence and just all around despair. It's really hard to tell these stories without focusing too much on the trauma, the despair, the violence. Majority of black people and black and brown people in general, they come from a lot of areas that are filled with crime and violence and drugs and gangs. So we fucking get that, okay? And it's really hard to tell black stories that have that in it while not focusing too much on it, if that makes sense. You know, they showed all of the grime and all of the grittiness and all of the graphicness when it came to the death of Fred Hampton and just what black people were receiving during this time. But yet they told an amazing story. Call me over dramatic, but they really did this movie so well and it didn't take away from anything. And I'm so, so happy that's out <laughs> because like I said, these a lot of movies we've been getting regarding black people. Like, yeah, I get it. We're getting the representation. We're getting the black, you know, we getting black actors and actresses as the main categories. I'm, I'm proud. I'm so happy. That's progress. That's change. But just make sure when you're telling a black story, you understand what it is to be black. If you don't understand that, then don't tell that story. That's not your story to tell. There are plenty of black creators that can tell that story. If it's not your story to tell, don't tell it, okay? Okay, moving on. Watching this movie was really heavy because like I said, I always knew the story of Fred Hampton, but I did not know the exact details of his death. What I liked about it so much, because they did it again in such a sophisticated way. It wasn't tasteless. It wasn't focusing just on his very gruesome death, but it was more of the act in the raid that night when Fred Hampton was assassinated. So yeah, there was a lot of gunfire, but they didn't, the movie didn't overplay blood you know it wasn't really graphic it wasn't too dramatic they didn't even um there wasn't actually a scene in it with the officer you know shooting directly at fred hampton's head it was kind of like in the background of the scene but obviously we knew what was going on so i really like that this movie didn't try to force us to physically see that and I'm saying force just because a lot of movies they want to show the realness doing that it could lack taste because it's like you're focusing too much on the death and not the death of the person, if that makes any sense. It's like they want so much for us to see the gruesomeness that they forget that this isn't, you know, this was an actual person. Okay, and I'm not talking too much on fictional movies, but more so about like biopics where people were assassinated, so like the Malcolm X movie. Like, that was a little gruesome for me when they did, when they, how Spike Lee shot that scene 
you know, obviously the actual death of Malcolm X was very gruesome and I'm not trying to take away from that. I like that this movie didn't focus too much on physically showing us how he died. I just like that it wasn't shown too much on screen because like I said, we, especially if you're a black person, you know, like I said, I didn't know all the details, but I, again, I knew how he died and I knew that he was in the bed and everything. Like I knew it, but to actually see it, it's so much different than reading about it. And they brought that to the screen without disrespecting who Fred Hampton was. And I think that's very good on a filmmaker standpoint and a consumer standpoint and a black person because, you know, it's too many movies and just media in general that just focuses too much on the gruesomeness of black people. Like, as much as I love the movie Queen is Slim, that movie was very graphic in a sense of like, you know, the death Oh, Daniel Kalu was in that movie too. I saw, okay. Daniel Kalu and Queen is Slim. I really actually enjoyed him in that movie as well. So like in Queen is Slim, it was, they were very graphic with everything. It didn't lack taste entirely to me, but it's a reason why I prefer black movies like Judas and the Black Messiah as opposed to Queen is Slim. With Queen is Slim, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but spoiler alert, the, the couple dies in the end. They're like the they're supposed to be like the black Bonnie and Clyde or whatever. So like they die in the end and they get shot by cops. And the movie showed all of that. You know, they showed they were very dramatic with their deaths. Right. And just what the whole story is being told as a whole and everything that the characters were going through. It was very graphic. Now, it wasn't too graphic or it was just blood everywhere and then every time a scene came on there was a black person with a gun getting shot it wasn't too graphic like that but it was definitely graphic and it kind of takes away from the story if you focus too much on how graphic you want the movie to be and that bothers me with this director Shaka King what he did what he did so well and just his way of showcasing this movie and his shots and just how he had everything played out was done so well so well to me and this movie was also written really really well and shout out to actually the writers of this movie kenny and keith lucas they're twins from fucking newark new jersey yes brick fucking city exactly where i'm from and they're fucking virgos exactly what i am if this is not fate telling me to get into film and write and direct i don't know what the fuck it is but I'm gonna take it as a sign. Um, yes, Kenny and Keith Lucas, two brothers, twins, from Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> Gotta point that out because, yo, Newark, on the forefront. Anyway, they co-wrote it and co-produced. And it was produced by Ryan Coogler, who you guys, if you don't know, he uh, wrote and directed Black Panther, hello. He also wrote and directed Creed with uh, Michael B. Jordan, and he also directed Fruitvale Station, which also had Michael B. Jordan. He produced this movie and has actually said that uh, the him and the director Shaka King, they approached Daniel Kalua about him playing Fred Hampton while they were filming Black Panther. I don't know. I just think that's kind of cool. Anyway, back to the story at hand. So the writers, Kenny and Keith, they really wrote this shit out of this screenplay because like I said, it was it was written so well. Like not just how the characters were ri written, like even though 
uh, Lakeith's character, William O'Neill, who is the mole that works with the FBI to assassinate Fred Hampton. Even they wrote his character with some form of likability. Now, that's interesting considering that he's technically the antagonist of this film. He is Judas, and obviously Fred Hampton is the Black Messiah. And if you guys don't know the Judas reference, Judas was one of Jesus' 13 disciples, one of them who betrayed him. So, kind of play on words here, I really like that. William O'Neill, who was the FBI informant, who joined the Black Panther Party to get close to Fred Hampton, which would immediately lead to his assassination. He is the Judas and Fred Hampton is the Black Messiah. And if you don't know, Messiah is a king. So you get you get the whole point. Um, what Kenny and Keith did really, really well with this um, screenplay was they made William O'Neill's character likable. Judas, uh, William O'Neill, I did some searching on him as well. I saw his one and only interview. And what's really crazy about that, even after the death of Fred Hampton, he still, uh, he still would be an actual FBI informant against the Black Panther Party for a minute. I think they said he still was an informant for a few years after Fred's death, like he died in 1969, I think up until, I think it was up until like the, the late 70s or mid 70s. I don't remember the exact date, don't quote me on it. But yeah, he did his one and only interview in 1989. And then January 15, 1990, he committed suicide. And in his interview, he described his relationship with the FBI agent as almost like a familiar relationship, like a family thing he said they had. He would invite him over to his house. They would have barbecue. He met his kids. He would take him out to dinner. You know, he really got inside the mind of William O'Neill. All because the FBI had one agenda, and that was to kill Fred Hampton. He manipulated an entire man for years. <laughs> it's just sad as hell. Sad as hell. Like I said, this movie does a really great job at, in a way, sympathizing William O'Neill. In a way, like I said, someone else could probably think differently, but they definitely do a good job in that where they make the audience really understand him. And that's actually really hard to do as a writer, especially when it comes to writing um, villain characters. If you think of any movie or any TV show, it takes a while before they really dwell into why the villain is the way he is or the way she is. You know, they really don't want to focus on that, obviously, because we're the whole point of the film is for the audience to root for the protagonist, you know, the, the hero in the story. We need someone to root for. We need someone to root against. Even though William O'Neill is a snitch, straight up, he is straight up snitch. He a homo. He just he unloyal as fuck. He anyway. They show that he wasn't the real villain in this story. I don't want this to come across as tone deaf at all. Obviously, the friends and family of Fred Hampton would obviously they would think different. So William O'Neill was just a regular petty car thief. 
right? And he used to impersonate a federal agent. That was his gimmick. He would impersonate a federal agent. He would steal people's cars because because people were more scared of feds than actual cops. Makes sense. They got a guy who really didn't give a shit about any of that but himself. He was just thinking about what he had to do to survive on his own, you know? And the FBI agent played the fuck out of that because all this man wanted was to not be in jail. I really like that the film showed us who the true villain was. <laughs> and it was these cops, y'all. It was the cops. It was the FBI agents. It was fucking J. Edgar Hoover, who was the director of the FBI. He also is behind um, MLK's assassination and Malcolm X's assassination. You can't tell me otherwise. But this movie showed the problem was not 100% O'Neill being the rat, but this entire federal government funded organization the fbi the federal bureau of investigation so the real villains here in this story in this film and in real life is obviously the government of the united states of america fucking racist ass government yeah so acting director of the fbi at the time was j edgar hoover who was spying on not only Malcolm X, but also Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King because, you know, black people with power, they're just so fucking dangerous, right? Not even bad power, but good power. You know, they didn't give a shit about the blacks, you know, who were probably in gangs and shit. No, they were annoyed by the, the black men and women who were standing up, fucking, at, you know, demanding change. And yeah, those were the real problems, right? But the KKK was just lynching people all throughout the South during the 1960s and no one gave a fucking shit about that, right? Yeah, okay. So you see who the real villain here is? Yeah, it wasn't William O'Neill. Yes, he was a fucking rat, but somebody was pulling his strings. Somebody was giving him bait. Somebody was, somebody, someone was the FBI. They despised a young Fred Hampton so much that they had to kill him. They had to assassinate him. And the only way they could do it was send someone who looked like them. <sighs> and they did that with just peer manipulation. It wasn't like it was a black FBI agent. No. They took a nigga off the street and said either you're going to do something for me or your ass is going to go to jail for the rest of your life. And then once he was doing all of his fucking aiding and abetting, he said, oh, well, either I'm going to snitch on you to the Black Panthers or you're going to go to jail or you're going to get both. Either way, you know, don't you want to pick the one where you'll live? Kind of fucked up. All the way fucked up. Anyway, Lakeith, as William O'Neill, is really good. Um, and Lakeith, he really played the hell out of this role. Uh, anytime that man is in a film or a TV show, I, I honestly love him in it. He, he's really good. He, that's my love, but, um, he really good. Uh, Dominique Fishback as Deborah Johnson. Y'all, no, she really, she's a scene stiller. Watch out for her. I feel like sis is going to come up. She, mark my words, sis going to win an Oscar one day. She's lit. Y'all, I was honestly 100% mesmerized by Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton. Yo, when I tell y'all this man completely annihilated the fuck out of this role, his portrayal really gave me chills. And I don't know if I'm being dramatic. I probably am being dramatic like 100%. When I think of acting, like really good acting, it's one thing for actors just to just play a regular role when it's a biography. 
because that's big that's some big ass shoes to fill like regardless of who you're portraying you're trying to be someone else and not just a regular character not just a regular you know script you're like you really have to embody someone else someone who literally lived walked breathed like you physically have to become them and that's really hard to do obviously every actor is different but to really portray someone down to just like their mimics their smiles their looks the way they tilt their head the way they walk their stance that requires dedication and a lot of actors do it well but not all of them but this man right here when i tell you y'all he really embodied fred hampton so well i was literally mesmerized anytime he was on screen so i like watched fred hampton's interviews i watched his speeches i watched william o'neill's uh interview his one interview he had and the speech i have at the beginning of this episode that's daniel speaking as fred hampton from my favorite scene of this movie um but just his just his demeanor and how he really became fred was just so like amazing to me as just an actor and a filmmaker or at least a wannabe actor and a wannabe filmmaker like he really he really did that like he he really fucking did that my favorite scenes with him was when he was um speaking so when he was doing speeches and stuff like that it can be really hard to speak like someone else so fred hampton falls on the list of like at least to me with one of those speakers who really can they can get that audience attention like nothing and daniel really did that scene so well um so there is one scene which is my favorite scene and i just love the way it was shot um because another good thing this movie did was fucking cinematography like these shots and just the way they showed fred hamden to me was just so well like if you watch the movie um you'll probably notice it won't be at first but i just kind of i like i when i watch movies i really really watch the shots just because i love just seeing how different directors choose to choose to shoot a scene so watching this movie i was i really liked how they shot daniel it's like every time he was on screen and especially when he was speaking they always did a close-up okay so they always did a close-up and i and for me it was like they did that in a way it's like you could really feel what he's saying like you can see the emotion you know you kind of get the feeling like you're there like you're listening to him speak with your very own eyes and ears like there's no screen separating you two that's how they were shooting it they were shooting it like they would give him a tight close-up frame and then they would back it up and they would show him from the side angle with the crowd and just the way he was pumping up his fist and just the way he was moving his body like he really embodied the shit out of fred hampton to me it was just amazing how they choose to shoot him there's a scene where he's walking up to do a speech and he's like walking up the stairs and it's like a tracking shot behind him it was just the way he was walking 
it was so beautiful to me. I just really liked how they chose to shoot Daniel as Fred because like they really wanted us to feel everything he was feeling especially when he was speaking because like anytime he spoke there was such passion in his words and just his overall delivery of whatever he was saying whether it was just a regular conversation he was having with um his girlfriend Deborah Johnson who was played in the movie by Dominique Fishback if you guys don't know her she's still fairly new but she's been around for some time she was on the HB show The Deuce I don't know if you guys seen that but I know everyone pretty much likes her from there this is my first thing seeing her in she did really well in this too um oftentimes when they shot them together because obviously they were they were love interests when they shot them together again they would always show close-ups of his and her face and they even do that when they're speak when he does his speaking scenes and she's in the audience it's like they want you to feel the love between the two and the passion they share with what he's saying you know there's a scene where she's reading him a poem so she's very emotional feel she's very emotion and passion filled and he's really taking it all in and just the way he was looking at her and just how close they had him framed in the shot it was like you felt the emotion that she was delivering to him and <laughs> that's very hard to do as a filmmaker because the one thing you want your audience to do as just an artist and in general like whether it's like you know graphic arts whether it's just like regular painting whether it's dance video music whatever as just an artist the main thing you want from your audience is to feel something. Whether it's anger, resentment, guilt, shame, embarrassment, laughter, whatever. The main goal as an artist is to get the audience to feel something. We need a reaction. And when I tell you, they really get that from their audience, at least with me. They really got that from me because <laughs> now I don't know if this movie was just so good to me and just heavy to me because because I'm just intrigued as a whole with the Black Panther Party and the 1960s segregation and just the activism during that time period because I always say all the time that if I was born around that time I definitely would have been that kid who was doing the walkouts who was doing the marches who was trying to go see martin speak who was trying you know i want i would have i definitely would have been there <laughs> like i would have been on site definitely i generally want to be a part of change you know everyone wants change everyone wants to see it happen but not everyone wants to be a part of it you know, there's, you know, there's people who rather, you know, see the change on the TV, you know, but they don't want to put themselves in that position or maybe they can't put themselves in that position given whatever's going on in their life. You know, maybe they have more to lose than somebody probably like me. I don't have a job. I don't have kids. I don't give a shit. I can do what I want. <laughs> whereas other people, you know, they they don't have much to fall back on. You know, whereas other people, they probably have way more at risk than I would if I put my, if I was to put myself out here like that. Um, but I definitely would and I've always been I've always been incredibly grateful and just thankful for those who came before me with you know those who came before me who you know fought for my rights and everything and I obviously I can never repay them but I want to be a part of 
change for you know the generation after me you know for my nieces my my maybe my future kids i don't know if i ever decide to have one i don't know <laughs> but i want to be that person who is a part of change in the world and not just seeing it change okay and I guess, and that's exactly why I just have so much just admiration and respect for Fred Hampton in general, just because he was so young, you know, I'm, I just turned 22, you know, I'm a year older than he was when he died. I mean, he was 21 and he was seen as so much of a threat that the FBI had to set him up to kill him. He couldn't see his son be born couldn't live a life with his wife like they had to kill him because he wanted to be the face of change because he wanted change for his son for his wife for his friends for his family and that's very fucking sickening to me but it's not surprising at all given the fact that we live in America like hello why the fuck are we still debating a relief package during a fucking pandemic why is it a debate that people may need help because they fucking do anyway <laughs> fred hampton is definitely one of those people who did not die in vain and his story will be told forever and i think this movie does a really amazing job at not focusing too much on his death but what he was doing while he was alive like, I didn't fucking know that part of his work while he was um, in the Black Panther Party was creating a rainbow coalition. Now, what that was, he recruited damn near every gang in Chicago and he got them to stand with him because they all had one similar goal. They didn't want their rights taken away. They didn't want to be constantly beaten, harassed and killed by cops. You know, these were black gangs, they were Hispanic gangs, you know, they all had one common interest. They just wanted to live. And he got them all together to protect one another, not through violence, but of solidarity and education. Like this man was doing, this man was doing tutoring sessions. This man was doing free breakfast every morning and he was he was teaching black kids and giving them the power and the knowledge that they would need when they're older and making sure they knew that they were just as powerful as white kids during this time. Like this man was, this young man, my age, he literally just wanted a better life. He literally just wanted to be changed and to be a part of change. And somehow the fucking FBI said, no, that's too dangerous. But yet it is 2021 and there's still fucking KKKs. And now we got the Proud Boys and the white nationalists and we got these. Ugh. They're OK to still exist because they're not a threat. No, but the Black Panther Party was Malcolm X was. Martin Luther King was so fucking dangerous. Yeah, okay. So you get, you, you, um. <sighs> yo, this is crazy because it's it's so sad. It's, it's really sad. And I say this all the time that this is it's really sad that this is still our reality. Like it is 2021. Fred Hampton died in 1969. Why are we still doing marches and shit? Like, it's going to be the same conversation for uh, 
for a minute for a minute and it sucks but that doesn't mean we stop fighting you know like fred hampton said you can murder a revolutionary but you can't murder the revolution you can murder a libertarian but you can't murder the liberation you can murder a freedom fighter but you can't murder the freedom like no matter what they try to do to stop us our fight will still continue it is so beyond just police killing of black individuals no we're talking about we're talking about workplace discrimination we're talking about hair discrimination we're talking about why the mortality rate of black women is so much higher than any other race when it comes to delivering kids why is it that when my mom had to go back and forth to the hospital every day for two months, anytime we went to a hospital in Newark, they wouldn't give her any pain meds because they said they don't give narcotics, but she never asked for a fucking narcotic. She asked for Tylenol and they said they don't give narcotics. Okay, cool. We go to a hospital out in Middlesex. They make sure she com she's comfortable as fuck. Y you see the difference, right? <laughs> it's really fucking sad. And hopefully change comes sooner. But if not, that doesn't mean the fighting ends. It just means we change how we fight. Shaka King directed this flawlessly to me. Like, I hope that I could be a director like him. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, Fred Hampton was a Virgo. He was born August 30th. <laughs> and if he, that sounds familiar, my birthday's August 29th. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so Virgos aren't bound to do big things. You know, Fred Hampton was a Virgo. Kenny and Keith, who wrote this story of Fred Hampton, are Virgos. Annie from North New Jersey. Like I said, if this ain't a sign, it what is it? It's a sign from God Himself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Definitely watch this movie. It will be worth it. I promise you. It will be worth it. This movie's amazing. <laughs> I can't say any much, anything else about it. This movie is definitely amazing. Judas and the Black Messiah, guys, go watch it, okay? Also, watch Coming to America, too, because that just dropped, and I watched it. I loved it. Watch it again. Um, watch it. I'm going to watch it again when I get high <laughs> because I watched it when I was sober, and it was funny, but I'm like, nah, I need a little blizzy for this. So, Coming to America was really good. Um, I just watched The Queen's Gambit. Really fucking good. And the actress from that uh, show, she won for best actress uh in a tv series um andrea day won for billy holiday golden globes yeah this was the first time in a lot of years uh that the people winning in the main categories were people of color uh chadwick boseman won a golden globe for his role in ma rainey's black bottom <sighs> chadwick we thank you every day for gracing us with your talent for so long yeah. Yep. Okay, guys. So that's it for me today. That is, I think that was a review of the film Judas and the Black Messiah. Hopefully, I didn't spoil you too much if you didn't see it. This episode of Drinks with Nay featured me getting drunk. Oh, well, tips because it's just a little wine. I had some peach sangria. So, definitely, guys, please come back and talk to me next week, or else I'll just be talking to myself. Okay. So, somebody should be listening. Okay? Okay. Roll a little thing, fill a vibe with a bottle to say, yeah, yeah. Mmm, drinks with that. Leave it on, get it alone. Make sure they know the name.